2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I remember being in college and sometimes having trouble walking up the stairs and my hair was falling out. My body was was hating it, but because I had tied my value to that number on the scale, that number on the scale spoke value to me. Now I'm eating way more than I was before, Mm -hmm. actually allowing those foods in my diet regularly, and I'm not binging. It's because I moved from living in lack and restriction to living in abundance. Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard, and today's guest, uh, if you've been a friend of the podcast, you know who it is. It's Joyce Murphy. And if any of you have ever been weirded out with your relationship with food, your relationship to exercise, like you understand freedom and truth, but it hasn't made its way to how you are living with uh with your body. Like this episode is for you. You're going to enjoy this thing. I have learned so much from Joyce in the very short time that I've known her. So listen, pay attention and hear Joyce Murphy. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Uh, man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new seat. It's a new thing, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. Okay, so Joyce, the first time I ever heard about you, uh, Tyler was like, bro, I was at this restaurant with this lady. And I'm, I'm sure he didn't say lady, <laughs> but he's just like, uh, and I wanted to order pancakes. And I was like, oh, I better not do that because that's wrong or something, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And you said. So I think he might have said something like, I don't want to be bad. It's a bad decision. Just using the word bad. Like it would be a bad idea if I ordered pancakes. And I pretty much questioned like, 
why is ordering pancakes good <laughs> or bad? And so then Jonathan's just like, you should listen to this. <laughs> and Tyler's like, do you know what she's going to say? And Jonathan's like, no, but whenever someone's that confident, you should listen to what they're about to say. What, okay, so what did you explain to him in, in this moment? So in the moment, I was trying to help him understand that language matters and that our relationship to food is actually plays a much greater role in our lives than we think. That food is not just food. The things that we believe about our food choices can really affect um, just the way we live and our peace in our decisions and how we perceive our value and even our identity. So in that moment, I was like using that language is in essence moralizing your food choices. And when you moralize your food choices, it's a very slippery slope into now seeing your quote unquote good or bad choices as seeing yourself now as good or bad. And so connecting your inherent goodness to the decisions that you make. And so in that moment, I was like, no, you choose the pancakes because you want the pancakes and there are nutrients in those pancakes. So you're not bad based off of that decision that you're making. So often you hear people saying like, oh, like I should choose a salad today because I'm being good today. Like, well, no, like your, your heart is good. So you're good all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you spend time using those types of that language to describe your food choices, it's reinforcing the, the things that you believe about just, again, yourself and your inherent goodness and value. Take me, take me through your food journey. Can you start walking me through what food has been to you and like, were there any lies surrounding food and, and what it was? Yeah, for sure. So from a very young age, I did connect my value to what I looked like. And so as I grew older and saw these depictions of different women in the world in you know, entertainment magazines, whatever I was looking at, I had this desire to look like them. And so, and then I learned from that early age that if I controlled my food, I could look like someone else. And so as I grew older, I started to create all of these food rules. Some of it is from like diet culture, which speaks very loudly, especially to females. Um, some of it was just what I picked up from the people around me and my friends and then moralizing their own food choices. And so um, when I got into high school, I was very hyper aware of what I looked like and, and the fact that I didn't feel like I looked like, you know, that I was beautiful or that I had achieved that, you know, perfection that I was looking for. And so I did start making food choices based off of what I needed for me to feel valuable. And so um, what started as like, I don't look like the other girls turned into um, restricting food a lot. So high school wasn't too bad, but into college, it got really bad in that I wanted to diet so that I could lose weight, so I could look a certain way. And so I started restricting my food choices in a very unhealthy way. And, you know, at my 5'9 frame, um, I was eating less and less calories. I think I got somewhere up to like 11 or 1200 calories a day, which is really unhealthy and, and under my basal metabolic rate, which is pretty much what you need to survive as a human being and losing a ton of weight. And then the people around me were really um, reinforcing that because they were like, oh my gosh, you look so great. What are you doing? And they had no idea that what I was doing was actually using very unhealthy methods to lose weight where I was messing with my metabolic health, um, where I was messing with my hormonal balance, where I was very deeply um, engaging in choosing foods based off of whether they would help me feel 
good, like look a certain way. And so I, but because of what I can get into in a little bit, the cycle, like restriction and binging, I was eating very few calories. And then once my willpower was running out, then I would binge. And then I would have a night of eating thousands and thousands of calories where I would feel physically ill to the point like my stomach would hurt. Um, and then I would just feel guilt and shame after that binge because I violated all of my food rules. And then I would just start all over again. So like the restriction binge cycle is something that we see all of the time. It's very prevalent in both men and women, especially in women though, or at least men don't talk about it as much as women do, but pretty much what it is is that you, again, you create these food rules and then you restrict too much based off of those rules. So either you eliminate entire food groups or you decide like I'm cutting out sugar, that's it, all of it. Um, or I'm not eating, you know, past a certain time of day, whatever you're choosing to do where you are creating a rule that's not sustainable. (laughs) And possibly in my case, it just wasn't healthy. And so, um, especially on the new year, you'll have that like new year and new me situation. You restrict a bunch. And then because willpower is in essence, a muscle, it's you in this internal struggle with the things that you want to do that you, that you try really hard to do, but you don't actually trust yourself to do them. So in my case, it was like, I really want to lose weight. And so I really want to eat this certain amount of calories, but it's, it's so unsustainable. I can't actually do that. And so my willpower starts to run out. And then eventually once you get to that point, that you're struggling so hard with this thing that it runs out, you you binge, partially because your body's actually asking you for food and for calories, and partially because mentally you're exhausted from trying and battling and struggling really hard with this thing that someone or maybe you yourself have told you you have to do to make this work. And so then there's this binge, and then there is lots of shame and guilt attached to that. How could I do this? What's wrong with me? I'm broken. Um, and then after living in the shame and guilt to escape from that anxiety, you start the restrict binge guilt and shame cycle all over again. So I lived in that for a very long time, actually. And it wasn't up until I was about 26, 27 years old that I really started to start repairing my relationship with food and start, um, asking the right questions and reflecting on that and realizing that your relationship with food is not about what you're eating, but it's about why you're eating. So are you eating based off of food rules like pancakes are bad, salads are good? Um, Or are you eating based off the fact that I want to nourish my body because that's who I am? I don't identify with a struggle of uh, pancakes lead to a second and third pancake and then I can't stop myself or this, you know, having this moment means that I've had a cheat day and that means that I'm bad. And so it's not allowing your thoughts to spiral into my food choices actually reflect on who I am as a person and my value. Um, but then reframing it and knowing that, no, like I, I am a healthy person and I honor my body's cues, my body's needs by eating healthfully. That makes sense. So when you're doing this restriction and binge, there was probably feeling good because maybe you're getting to a goal weight or something like that. Yeah, or, definitely. But you're actually not, your body's not functioning very well no. and you're not healthy. No. Um, did you not have a lot of energy? Like, were, like no. what was that 
What was that like? Yeah, I was incredibly fatigued. Like I remember being in college and sometimes having trouble walking up the stairs and like my hair was falling out. Um, my menstrual cycle got really irregular because I was dieting on way too few calories, um, living in just like complete lack. And so for that reason, my body was was hating it. But be- because I had, again, tied my value to that number on the scale, which is a whole other thing with our relationship with food that number on the scale spoke value to me. And so I wasn't going to stop until I hit that. But then when I hit it, I was left with a body that was completely messed up on the inside and then a mindset that was also needing repair. Mercy. Yeah. Okay. 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 So you started understanding the healthful eating before you were free. Yeah. And then going into freedom, I think, if I'm correct, even more opened up for you. Absolutely. So enter freedom. And I started to notice so many parallels between being free in Jesus um, and living in that sweet space and then also experiencing freedom with food as well, instead of food guilt and having that poor relationship with food. So some of the things that um, I saw that had parallels between the two food and then just freedom in Jesus. One of them was that um, I, before freedom, was very sin conscious. Hmm. And so I identified with a struggle with sin. Hmm. And it was like, this is who I am. And the only way I know how to stop sinning is to resist it, is to use my willpower to resist sin. Because I there was no part of me that believed that I was free from sin or that I was capable of not sinning and not hurting someone else except that if God intervened and just helped me in that moment. But I just inherently believe that I had the sinful nature. And so the more I focus on that sin, the better I would get at avoiding it. But really, it's the opposite, because we know that with sin consciousness, like the more you focus on that sin, that identifying with that struggle, it seems like you can't actually find victory over it. Like there's no victory living in that space. And so enter freedom, and I no longer was so conscious of my sin because now I'm really, really conscious of my righteousness in Christ, and I'm really conscious of the fact that I have been freed from sin. And so now there's no identifying with a struggle. It's just not my story anymore. And I do believe that that sin part of me has been removed through the sacrifice of Jesus and through his resurrection. It sealed that. So And on top of that, I have the Holy Spirit and um, I don't walk or live by the flesh or by my feelings anymore. So I learned all of that in freedom. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like food. So if you you are someone who identifies with the struggle of, man, I feel like I'm always on a diet or I feel like I'm always restricting and always controlling what I'm eating. Or like I said, like I can't trust myself to go out to a restaurant because then I'll make a bad decision or I can't trust myself around Mm -hmm. certain foods. I didn't like positioning yourself there makes it so that you are a lot more likely to binge. Because again, that restriction, binge, shame, guilt cycle is powered by the fact that you don't trust yourself around the food. So you use, again, your willpower. So in diet culture, success is typically measured in either like what you look like, what you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. So again, identifying by your behavior um, or it's, it's, your success is identified by your your willpower, your restriction. Hmm. If I have really great discipline, that means success. And so again, like pre-freedom. I'm Sounds like, like yeah. self-righteousness a Abs- little bit. Absolutely. So pre-freedom, it's like the letter of the law says this. And so I'm going to follow this rule because this is the only way that I can be saved is if I follow this rule. 
as opposed to saying like, no, like I have the Holy Spirit. I have no desire to do anything that is anti-love, anything that my father has not created or purposed me for. So I only now make these decisions moving in that love that lives in me. And so again, sin sin consciousness is so directly related to that like restriction, binge, shame, guilt cycle. So like I work in nutrition with my clients I try to remind them of what is true about them when they feel like they're out of control and they can't just stop at one Ritz cracker or they can't just stop at one scoop of ice cream. I let them know like, what, what is it you're trying to accomplish in in this moment? And what are you trying to prove? Hmm. Because if you're trying to prove um, through this struggle with your diet, through the struggle with food, that like, I can do this, I can do this, as opposed to just believing that you can and that you will, you're going to be stuck in that cycle for the rest of your life. Hmm. So if you're always trying to prove, I have the willpower for this, and because I'm going to try really hard to resist it, I can do it. Um, I, again, all we see is just thousands of women who they never hop out of that cycle. But if you start to believe like, I do not struggle with food. I don't moralize my food. I make good decisions based off the fact that this is what's best for me. It's nourishing to me. Um, It's um, something that will lead me towards my goals. But again, it's all about not what you believe about the rule, but what you believe about yourself. Hmm. If that makes sense. So diet culture and constantly being on a diet, tell me about why that's living in lack. Oh, yeah. So restriction um, is pretty much living in this understanding and belief that you cannot have or that you don't have. So like, because I don't have this certain body, I'm lacking. And so I must now restrict my food, which is just a, a second layer to the lack so that I can finally, again, reach this ideal or finally feel valuable as a human or whatever it is that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so whereas living in abundance when it comes to food freedom would say like, no, I, I can have this thing. So the way it typically plays out is that when we start saying like, I can't have pizza because it's a bad food, you want it more and more and more. Um, Whereas living in freedom is like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. I'm just making decisions based off the fact that I believe myself to be a healthy fit person. And this is what healthy fit people do. And then that takes you from struggling, believing you cannot do this to, no, I can do this. And then slowly but surely over time, your body changes along with your choices. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if I am listening to this and I am struggling with control, and maybe you just answered this question, struggling with, I don't eat the foods I want to eat and I eat the foods I don't want to eat, Romans 7. Yeah. Uh, what, what would, what you're saying is the first step is to start identifying as a whole and complete person. Yeah that does live healthy and does want to nourish themselves absolutely, and then start moving from there. Absolutely. So I always tell my clients, like, you do not become what you desire. You become what you believe. So this, like, again, this internal, like, I'm never going to get this choice. Like, I'm just, it's never going to happen for me. Or like, why is this so hard? It's because you keep identifying with the struggle of this because it's all you know. Like your whole life you've been overweight or your whole life you've, you haven't, you feel like you haven't made the right choices to be able to look the way that you want to look. And so um, it's about already believing that the choices I make are based off of the the wisdom and knowledge I have and then the understanding I have about the fact that I'm not broken or like I don't need repair in that way. So for example, 
Um, something that we see a lot in nutrition is people who freak out and get really anxious when they are not perfect in their nutrition, hmm. which can look like, again, breaking a food rule that they have, you know, not drinking the water they were supposed to drink that week, not eating, you know, what they consider to be the right foods or um, maybe not hitting their calorie targets for the week or whatever that is. And so they get this mindset, this mentality of like nutrition is all or nothing. And so since I messed up here with my nutrition, then it speaks value to me. So now as a person, I'm broken. As a person, I am not whole. Something is wrong with me. But nothing is wrong with you. Your system is broken. Like you and of yourself are not broken, but the methods that you're using, those are broken. So pretty much perfectionists are just people who are worried about how their best efforts will be perceived is what I've learned. So like if you go into it thinking like, Joyce is watching me or like, I'm so, um, like judgmental on myself that if I mess this up, then it means that like, I ruined it. Like everything's over. Like I gained a pound, like I'm not great at this thing. Like I'm just, again, the shame and the guilt of like, why can't I get this right? Um, usually comes from this idea that like, again, your best efforts will perceived in any other way other than like, this is my best effort. And so the contrast to that would be releasing all those expectations for perfection. And again, just resting in the fact that who you are as a person already wants to make good decisions for their health. Instead of again, like, I can't mess up, I can't mess up, I can't mess up. And then it becomes like, oh, okay, so now I don't even want like the things that are not for me, if that makes sense. Hmm. So let's say it starts out with body image, not Mm -hmm. about with food. It's just like you feel like you have enough willpower to do what you want, but you're very unhappy with how you look. Either like the pandemic did not help Mm -hmm. at all, and now you're looking at like your clothes aren't fitting the way you want them to look, and you're frustrated. Is it the same place where we start where we're like, now I got to look, now I got to look at this food completely different because I got to, I got to get back to, I've lost something. I've lost, uh, I've lost because I've gained a, yeah. a, a bunch of weight. Yeah. Um, how do we start to correctly just look at this in a healthy way yeah. rather than jump back on the restriction binge cycle? Yeah. So the first thing would be definitely to untether, unattach your value from what your body looks like and what the scale says. So I like to call that it, sounds easy when you yeah. said it. <laughs> so I like to call it like being a conspiracy theorist about your own weight. Like you create this narrative. Like if the scale says I'm 192 pounds, it means that it means what? Like for everyone, it's different. But when you get down to the root of it, it goes from like it means that I'm overweight or it means that I'm fat. But then the root of it is it means that I have less value. It means that I'm not enough. It means that. I no longer look a certain way, which means that now I have less value or that um, people around me won't like me. Like it's all tied to this understanding of like, what does it say about me? So I step on the scale. I'm 192 pounds. That's seven pounds more than I was two months ago. Now it means that I'm not who I thought I was. And Mm. that moment is very jarring and can cause a lot of anxiety for people. But it usually comes down to that. I step on the scale. I am not who I thought I was. I wanted to be seen as good, as fit, as healthy, as attractive, whatever it is. And now I'm not that. And that's a narrative that we create that no one else necessarily is forcing on us. But we create that conspiracy theory of information with very little context instead of realizing that 
everything about you and what led you to that weight makes sense. And if you can, again, move from there into not judging yourself, no condemnation for you from the things that you've done, but definitely just saying like, okay, I am going to make better decisions because this is just who I am. So again, it's again, untethering um, your value from your weight just pretty much it comes down to what you believe about what your father in heaven says about you. And at the end of the day. So yeah, when you step on that scale and it says 192 pounds, then what does it actually mean? So, I mean, the scale, the weight is just your relationship to gravity. So like the weight there. So it really, again, it gives information with only a little bit, like with a very little context. And so um, it could mean that you... That's your relationship to gravity. Yeah, literally. Um, so it doesn't take into consideration like inflammation in your body at the time, your input output. So how much did you eat that day? How much have you output it that day through your sweat or through your like bowel movements. Um, have you been traveling? Are you holding on to some bloating? Have you had high sodium foods? Um, have you lifted weights recently and your muscles are torn and, and the fluids were shuttled into your muscles to rebuild your muscles? So there's a lot of reasons that your weight is what it is in that moment. But what one of those reasons is not is that you're not who you thought you were. Like that's what we have to get away from letting the, the, the scale speak value and letting it be what it is, which is information. Like, okay, this is what I weigh right Right now in this moment, um, a year from now, I would like to weigh this. And now because I am walking in this belief that I am a healthy person and a healthy person, I always frame it as like, it's not someone who has like arrived at the peak of health. You're not healthy when you have spent a year or two doing healthy things. You are healthy when you decide you're going to make healthy decisions. And so again, this belief that this is just who I am now, it moves you from the struggle with it to the freedom in it, and then your body will change without you having to force it into submission, if that makes sense. Like being at peace with the fact that your body is what it is in that moment and then deciding like, okay, well, I'm going to make some changes because this is what is good and nourishing for my body. So when a client says, I want to weigh a certain number, like this Mm -hmm. is my number I want to get to, I have a feeling like that's not really how you think about things. No, it's not. How, like, <laughs> explain that a little bit. Yeah. So I work a lot with my clients on their expectations because, again, expectations are so tied to perfectionism and perfectionism is, is, perfectionism is just a lie. It's a lie because it's, it's based and rooted in this thing that, like, until you reach this thing, until you achieve this, you will not be enough. You will not be okay. Man, this is so good. deep in the spiritual side of it as well, <laughs> yeah. where people are just on the, like, the, the hamster wheel, because yeah. Jesus said, be perfect. And so we don't understand what he's really talking about. Yeah. We don't understand all of this. And so, but we get tired. Yeah. And and I I mean, I think the same thing happens Yeah. with the dieting and, and what we believe about ourselves and, yeah. and chasing after this so-called perfection. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, it's so much tied to the expectations that we set for ourselves um, even with God, it's like, all right, like I, I'm in if I do this, as opposed to again resting in in the work of the finished work of the cross and what's been done for you, and like walking in that truth of who you are. It's like, no, until I arrive here, I'm not like until I do these things, I'm not, I'm not good with God just yet. And then every day, almost like the cycle restarts, or every week, or every month, or whatever it is. Like until I, I have done these things this many days in a row. Um, then I will be healthy. Then I will be happy with my nutrition. Then as opposed to seeing it as like, no, like again, 
move based off of what you believe about yourself as someone who mm-hmm. does not struggle with their diet and someone who just makes good decisions and nourishing decisions. But, but back to your um, question about like, if my client says like, I want to lose 15 yeah, pounds yeah, yeah. in the next three months, I do help them manage their expectations a lot so that they open, they leave everything like with an open hand and they're not holding their goals with a, a closed and clenched fist just because, um, the human body doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, like you're not, I tell them you're not a robot, you're not a rock, like your body is mostly fluid. So we make good decisions for our body, but if we tie our value to that number on the scale, if we tie success to that number on the scale, it's a very frustrating space to live in because it pigeonholes you in what success looks like. So again, like in our walk as like a believer, it's like, okay, if I abstain from these things then I'm in, right, God, like I did it. Um, as opposed to, and like when it comes to nutrition, again, it's like, if I reach this goal weight, I made it, this means good things about me. And it's not about that. Nutrition is not all or nothing. It's about, again, making good, better, and best decisions. So, um, you know, there aren't, there isn't like a perfect similarity between these two things, the freedom in Jesus and then food freedom. But so much of it is tied to what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about our value and then how that makes us move through our food decisions. So when people tell me they have a goal weight, I tell them like, that's cool. You may not get there. And what does that mean if you don't? Like, let's unpack that. Like, what does it say about you? Back to that question, like, what are you trying to prove? If you're trying to prove that you are, um, are you trying to be seen as beautiful? Are you trying to be seen as enough? Are you trying to be seen as valuable in society? Are you just trying to be seen as good? Like, do you just want people to see you and be like, that's such a great person? All that stuff is already true about you. Like your father in heaven created you. You're an image bearer. Like you are perfectly created. He didn't make a mistake with you. You're his masterpiece. So you're already beautiful. Like that's already true about you. When you tell a client that, and maybe you don't talk about like that's already true, or maybe you do, but like when they're saying this goal and you kind of flip the script a little bit, do they open up? Are they excited to hear that or what, what typically happens? So it's like half and half. Some of them will be like, oh my gosh, this sounds wonderful. Sometimes they'll say, they'll say like, it sounds too good to be true. Like I want to believe these things about myself that I already am mm-hmm. a whole and complete person and that I don't have to earn my value through the the number on the scale or prove my value through the number on the scale. And then the other half of them actually really hate it <laughs> because especially those who identify with perfectionism, because they'll be like, what do you mean, Joyce? I've literally lived my whole life based off of the expectations of other people. Like I only get straight A's because of the expectations I have on myself or that my parents have on me. Like I, I have this job. I'm trying to earn the salary because I have expectations. Like when you say you have, because I'll tell them I have no expectations of them. And for some of my clients, it drives them crazy. They're like, I thought that's what I'm here for. Like, don't you want me to eat really, really well and like reach these targets and like be really proud of me? I'm like, I want you to nourish your body well. Absolutely. I want you to train and, and exercise, but because you have a good body. I want you to do that because your body is good right now, not to punish it for food decisions that you made for a binge over the weekend. I don't want you to see it that way, but because you have a good body and you believe that, then that good body deserves nourishing food and exercise that keeps you active and moving and flexible. So for the ones that hate it, they're just because I'm unpacking the fact that I don't want them to live based off of the expectations that other people have on them or the ones they have on themselves, but just rest in the fact that they are already whole and complete. And this journey of nutrition is about walking out the fact that they believe they have a good body and that good body deserves nourishment and exercise. We get questions all the time. 
And so we have compiled uh, many of our frequently asked questions and answers into an interactive study that you can find at youarefreefromsin.com. The interactive study, we have the questions and we break down the answers. So if you're hearing these theological concepts through these stories in this this podcast and you want to know more, hit up youarefreefromsin.com to get some clarity. I hope you check it out. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because yes. just the people that are upset. And I, I mean, it just sounds like self-righteous. Like they're, they've worked hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so if someone, like if someone already, like if you're, if they're hearing you say that to somebody who doesn't have the body composition that they've worked hard to have yeah. and you're already telling them, well, yeah, you're, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean, there's. There's a few parables in the Bible yeah. <laughs> that explain this this frustration that you get yeah. when somebody gets something that you you had discipline for and you worked hard for yeah. and then somebody messed up. Not only did they not eat well and take care of it, but they cheated on their yeah. diet or their wife <laughs> yeah. or their husband. Oh, it drives them crazy. And yeah. so and they get the same thing yeah. that that you have. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I'm just hearing you, you're, and I'm just yeah, like, man, there's no. so many spiritual applications to this. You're absolutely right. And and so for those that have those expectations and I'm trying to like knock them down one by one, like slowly but surely, um, they'll start to release them as well sometimes, which is always really beautiful to watch. And just again, them resting in the fact that the decisions that they're making are based off of what they believe about themselves. So there's no, there's a lot, I mean, the 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 light bulbs that go off and I'll read it cuz they check in with me once a week and I'll, they'll start using language like I ate a cookie and I just kept on moving with my night. I didn't lay in my bed at night and stare at the ceiling feeling guilt or shame over what I ate because I know that I'm not someone who struggles with food. I don't have a poor relationship with food. And I'm like this is so great or like they'll tell me that they step on the scale and that the pound or that the the scale read 2 pounds up from 3 days ago and they didn't freak out. Because the freak out anxiety, again, comes from that I'm not who I thought I was. But if you knew that your position, like who you are, never changes because it's it's something that's been spoken over you by your Father in heaven, and he doesn't lie, and that does not change, you have the ability to step on the scale, and it can read whatever it wants to read, and it doesn't shake you. It doesn't shake your peace. Like I was someone who would literally, it was so bad for me in college that I didn't actually have a scale in my room at all times. I think like a scale of mine broke, and I would wake up at like 7 a.m. just to drive to Walmart to hop on one of their scales so that I could write the weight down. Oh, yeah, isn't that makes bad? me so sad. <laughs> so I could write the weight down and prove to myself that the decisions I had made the day before were good enough so that I would I would literally walk throughout the rest of the day so happy with myself because I felt good enough because I had reached that number. And it's so wow. toxic. <laughs> it's so toxic. But I cannot tell you now the last time I have stepped on a scale and have cared about what I look uh, like, what the what the weight actually says. And I bet there's some people who are like, yeah, but you can say that because like you've been working on your fitness for years and like maybe you've probably never struggled with weight. And like, it's not, again, your relationship with food is not about what you weigh. It's not about what you're eating. It's about your why. Why are you doing these things? That's what affects your mindset. That's what affects what you believe about your identity and your value. It's why are you making these decisions? And even though I weighed 117 pounds, which was incredibly unhealthy at the time, and I was not overweight, I had a very disordered relationship with food. I had a disordered eating problem and I just didn't know it. 
And that can be for someone who's very thin or for someone who is um, what they, with their own rules and guidelines, would consider overweight, which is a whole other topic. Um, but yeah. Wow. So as I'm paying attention and listening, the paradigm shift is we're not working to be something. We are working from being something. Absolutely. And so we become healthy when we decide that we are healthy. Absolutely. And yeah. not we become healthy when we get to a certain number yeah. or we practice X amount of discipline. Yeah. We're healthy when we decide I'm an hel- a healthy person. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're moving and working from that lens. Yes. And then you make good decisions that don't compromise your health because, again, you're not you're not so stuck on this ideal or this idea of what it requires for you to be enough and to be good. And so from there, you can actually make the good decisions, like not like not to starve yourself. I mean, like when I tell you most of the clients that I work with actually come to me already under eating and they have no idea because they spent so much of their time living in that lack space within nutrition, which is again, because I don't have the body that I want. I'm going to now restrict the food to the point where I'm actually harming my body because I'm going to do whatever it takes. And most of them actually don't know, but they are doing whatever it takes. And then their metabolism literally adapts to the point where it will not let them lose any more weight because it's trying to keep them alive. And so they come to me and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you with your height and weight and activity level and your age, you should be eating 2,400 calories a day and you're eating 1,600 calories a day. And now your body is not thriving um, because you've been living in this position for so long. So I literally, and it's scary for them, but I literally walk them through eating their 1,600 calories a day all the way up until they are eating 2,400 calories. Um, And through all of the ups and downs and anxieties and fears that come with that as they're eating more. But shifting again from living in that lack to now living in the abundance of Food is many things, but it does not speak value. So I do not restrict based off of the fact that I'm afraid of what it means about me if I eat this food or if I eat more food. I'm moving based off the fact that this is a good decision for my body. And now I make good decisions for my body because my body is a good body. Wow. So did you have this mentality before freedom and and now walking into freedom? Is it just now it's like, oh, now I really get why this thing works. It was a lot more clear to me after freedom for sure. Because um, before freedom, I didn't realize how my identity was so tied to my weight. I really had a very limited understanding of that. And so after freedom, when I unpacked all of the lies that I used to believe about myself, I was like, oh, snap. Like most of my food decisions through adolescence and college and part most of my 20s were based off of trying to achieve this ideal. It was, very, it was very much a striving instead of a resting. And so, and what's crazy about weight is that the more you feel like you struggle and strive with weight, the more stress you put your body under. And then it actually like your hormone levels, your cortisol levels go so out of whack that it'll actually like hold on to bloat and inflammation. So the very thing you're trying to do, which is to lose weight and lose inflammation, your body would do the opposite to protect you from the stressor that you are creating, that you are creating by stressing yourself out with the fact that you are so obsessed with your food and your calories and things like that. So after freedom, I was, I saw all the parallels. I was like, oh my gosh, like sin consciousness is identifying with this struggle with something that you've already been freed from that struggle in your diet. Like 
you can have freedom from that so that you can now move from this space of, I can do this because this is who I am. Like, I remember, again, thinking, like, before freedom, I guess it's not, it's not so much me, but, like, let me use an example of, like, someone who maybe thinks that they struggle with lust. Like, okay, I believe that God wants to give me freedom from lust, but I still have to do things to make sure that I don't lust. So, like, I can't look women in the eye, like, mm. or look men in the eye, depending on what gender you are. Like, I can't... um I can't, you know, hang out with this person because then I might like take it a step too far or like this thought might lead to that thought. The point is like, it's this constant like protecting yourself Mm -hmm. um, against this possible sin that you might accidentally fall into because you don't believe you have any power over it. So it's, it's kind of safeguarding yourself so that you don't sin. That's that sin consciousness. With the diet, what it looks like, again, is, again, avoiding social situations, not eating this one food because it could lead to you eating that same food like a bunch of times and feeling like you have lost control. And so um, for me, after freedom, I was like, oh, my goodness, like when you believe that you really are free from sin and free from lust you don't you no longer feel the need to then safeguard yourself in that way because you no longer want anything outside of the will of your father. So now if I'm looking at another man, I don't have to be afraid that I can't look at him in the eyes or give him a sisterly hug because now he is my bro and I only mm-hmm. see him as my brother, I only see myself as his sister. And so now um those safeguards are no longer necessary because my belief about the fact that I have freedom from that thing is what I walk in. So with food, it's like now I can have a donut mm-hmm. and not be afraid that I'm going to eat five donuts at like this moment of self-control because I have control. I'm living in abundance of food. Nothing is, I don't have to eliminate food groups. I don't have to eliminate any food. I always have access to any food that I want. I just make choices depending on like, again, what I've had that day and what's nourishing to me. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like moving from, um, because I can't have this, I want it really bad and Mm -hmm. I must protect myself against this food. And like, no, I can actually have that food anytime I want. Like, it's crazy for me, the shift that happened when I was like binging on peanut butter and toast at night and like in college. And now I can have dessert every single day and it never leads to a binge. So how is it possible that I was so hyper-conscious on not binging back then, but I was still binging once or twice a week. Now I'm eating way more than I was before, Mm -hmm. actually allowing those foods in my diet regularly. And I'm not binging. It's because I moved from living in lack and restriction to living in abundance. And so that same thing again with sin consciousness. Now I'm no longer concerned with like, I, I, I didn't in sin consciousness, you don't trust yourself because you don't think you've been freed from sin. And so, um, you have to make those moves. But in that, again, that freedom in Jesus, knowing what you've been freed from and freed for, you now, you almost develop this like trust in who you are. Like this this faith and confidence in the fact that Christ lives in you and that the old you is dead. And so now you walk in this newness and abundance of life and in spirit. So the, in food, it's like the hunger cues that you muted by not being in tune and not trusting your body, when you live in abundance with nutrition, it all comes back. So one of the things I work with my clients is that when they're under eating, they literally lose their desire to eat more food because their hunger cues start to mute 
as their body slows down to adapt to what they've been doing, like mm-hmm. their caloric intake. Mm-hmm. And so when I first have them start eating more, it's actually really hard for them. And they feel like they lack appetite, but they're not in tune with their hunger cues at all because they've silenced them in essence throughout their time dieting. And so um, as we work back into an abundance mindset with food, their hunger cues return. And they actually feel like when I'm hungry, I'm allowed to eat. And we talk about honoring your hunger cues. Like you shouldn't be at a point where you're like, I'm hungry, but I'm on a diet, so I'm not going to eat. Like if you're hungry, there's a reason why your body's asking you for food. You should listen to it and you should react. (laughs) Feed it something, you know? Um, And so again, it just reminded me so much of what I learned in freedom that was like, I did not trust myself before. Um, And now I trust that the one who lives in me, Christ, is actually the one in me willing me to do and to act and to move. And so I trust that more than any rules I was trying desperately to follow and also desperately failing at. Maybe you haven't said this, but like if you've decided to eat healthy because of what eating says about you as a person, it's going to not end well. And so, and and I'm thinking about this, and uh, do you agree with what I just said? I do. So then let's transition a little bit over to exercise. There's right reasons to exercise, and I don't think it's ever wrong to exer- to, to, to do the act of exercising. Yeah. But the reasons you might be doing the diet, the nutrition, the exercise could be harmful to actually what you believe it and how you live, yeah. even if like it might look the same. Oh yeah, for sure. But the reasons you're doing it yeah. could could mess you up. Yeah, it's the spirit with which you're doing it with. It's always about the why. So like I said, you can be someone who who eats salmon and vegetables and fruits and avocado all day long and have a terrible relationship with food. In the same way that you can have be someone who eats Pop-Tarts for every meal and you have a pretty great relationship with food. So you could have someone, again, like in Freedom, I learned this like, because before Freedom, I was the person who like really wanted to be seen as this perfect Christian, this perfect pastor's daughter. And so I was doing all the right things, at least outwardly, so that I could reflect that. But internally, I again, I didn't believe anything about what I had been freed from. I had no understanding of having the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't have any confidence in the fact that I I had um, the assurance of salvation. I didn't have any understanding of my righteousness, none of that before freedom. And so I'm doing all these things to appear not only to the world that I'm right with God, but then to prove with God, I am right with you. When again, the spirit of why I was doing things was just to check off those things off the list was just to follow a set of rules. So I had, it wasn't Christ in me moving in me. Hmm. I didn't understand that at all. It was all like, I, this is just what I should do. Cause this is what I've been taught. This is what the rules say. And so in the same way with nutrition, you could be doing all the right things. You could have someone who has got a six pack who is keto and intermittent fast and drinks a gallon of water every day. And they have a terrible relationship with food. They're very anxious about their body. They weigh themselves every day, twice a day. Um, they, again, they avoid those social situations. They feel lots of guilt and shame all the time. And you wouldn't know it because outwardly this person is following the rules. Like they're in, they got this interesting thing down, but inwardly they're miserable because they're not resting in anything. They're not they haven't found peace there even though they're doing s- seemingly all of the right things. Wow, that's that's crazy. So let's say 
you you're now identifying with this healthy body that God has given you and you're like, mm-hmm. I am healthy. Yeah. I and you start making healthy food choices and now you realize you haven't gotten up off the couch for a long time mm-hmm. and you want to start moving because that's part of being healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you start there? Like for someone who is trying to figure out like what's the next right thing? Yeah, you're like, I want to – I've been sitting on the yeah. couch <laughs> and it's hurt me. Like yeah. like it hasn't been healthy, but I am a healthy person in Jesus' name, have a healthy mind, emotions, and yeah, I have yeah. a healthy body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how am I going to have yeah. practice this health in the realm of exercise? Yeah, how so do we start? I would say to start with like the simplest next right thing. So definitely do not go down the road of bogging yourself down with, let me create this exercise program from now for the next six months, get into the gym like five days a week. Let me get this training program. Like do not create any plan or program for yourself that isn't very easily accessible and achievable in that moment. Like don't ask of yourself something you're not currently capable of. So for someone who's coming off of being on the couch for the entire pandemic, start with daily walks, Hmm. literally 10. This is a good word. I need 20 minutes a day, (laughs) 20 minutes a day. um, We'll usually get you somewhere between three and 4,000 steps. Start there. Um, If you have to split it up, split it up and do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. If you have a dog, take the dog out. Um, just start there because daily walks will automatically increase the amount of calories that you're burning. It would automatically, you know, you're getting active. And so your heart is pumping more, your blood is, you know, working on getting oxygen through your body. Um, you're going to be more mobile. You're going to be more flexible. You're going to get stronger. So starting with walking is one of the best things you can do to go from zero to, I need to start moving. Um, and then from there, getting into something that you enjoy. So find like experiment and find something that you can actually look forward to because exercise and training is something you have to fit into your schedule. And if you're not looking forward to it, you just won't go. It's not going to last long. Um, and again, if you're trying to fit yourself into something that you're, you're not, you're not enjoying and something that you're not, um, that won't last either. So again, going back to like, don't try to be something just, just again, be some, be who you are. So if you want to try an orange theory class, do that. If you want to try a CrossFit, do that. If you want to go into a planet fitness and hop on a treadmill, do that. If you want to lift weights, do that. Like just move. It doesn't matter what it is. It's yoga. It's a class. It's kickboxing. Get into something that you look forward to enjoy, even if it takes a while to figure out what that is. And then do that twice a week. And then eventually when you feel really confident there, do it three times a week until you work your way up to four or five with a couple of rest days. Like whatever it is, it has to work for you. It cannot be something that is not realistic and achievable right now because then you won't do it. And then you'll again, get back into like, Oh my gosh, why did I do this? I'm broken. Like, no, you're not broken, but your system is a, is a little bit broken. So let's come back and say like, how do we go from again, zero to being active? What's the next easiest move to make? Do that consistently for four to six weeks before you add in something else. Okay, so what would you say, we're talking a little bit about, and I think that's awesome, what you just said, what would you say to someone who just had a baby Mm -hmm. and had a body that they no longer have anymore, and they're feeling some type of way about that, and they want to get back, um, and they feel like they've I've, I've lost control of this thing that I used to have complete control of. And now we're looking at 
a body in a in a weird way, even though it's providing literally providing life yeah. for a, for a baby. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but we're feeling weird because of the expectations of the world mm-hmm. or some celebrity who had yeah. a baby and then two months later is on the cover of whatever in shape mm-hmm. magazine, just put us on the right path of how we need to be looking at ourselves when this kind of situation, when the world is saying all of this, but the truth is saying something else. Yeah. So I think it's two things. It's it's, I always want to start with the mindset part of it because of how that affects how you move mm-hmm. is what you believe. And then, you know, from there you can go into, these are the steps you can take to start changing your situation. But I always start with, what are you trying to prove? Because if it's something that's, that's creating anxiety in you, like, that's a warning. Like, I want you to stop and think about what are you trying to prove in this moment? Because if it's already something that your father has spoken over you, you can rest in that right now. I know you're not where you want to be. And there's nothing wrong with desiring better health for yourself. I, w- I want everyone to desire the highest level of health for themselves because mm-hmm. I believe that God has created this with these amazing bodies that can do amazing things. And we can feel really good in our bodies mm-hmm. and the way our processes work. And so I want that for everyone. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with wanting to shift your body composition and build muscle and build fat. But you cannot move from a place of wanting to prove something to yourself or to somebody else that is already true about you because you're never going to arrive. Like you're never going to feel like your efforts have been enough. You're never going to, because even if you got to your goal weight, you would, you're so used to working and striving towards that thing that you feel like you are not currently that it's not going to be enough for you and you're going to have to find something else. So from that moment, I would say again to that woman who's just had a baby, like, what are you trying to prove? And, you know, unpack that. And often it'll come back down to, like I said, like, I'm not who I used to be. And to me, that speaks that I'm now less than what I was before. And I don't like that feeling, or I'm not as attractive to my spouse, or um, I can't do the things I used to do. And that's really hard for me because again, it's usually deeper. If it's, I can't do the things I used to do. Why is that important to you? What is it speaking over your life right now? And how do we then speak the truth to that? Like you are even now not being able to do the things physically you used to do. That doesn't change the fact that you're still complete and whole and holy and that you have been still perfected in love and that you're still an image bearer and that you still have a very good heart and again a very good body those things do not change no matter what expectations you have in yourself or other people so let's start with living from that space so that the decisions and moves you make keep you living in abundance when it comes to your food freedom so that you don't make poor decisions that affect the way you see yourself and that affect the way you see other people and that affect the way that you see the character of God. Like, let's get you as far away from that as possible so that none of this speaks value to you. And then once we get there, then it's, um, yeah, like I said, what's the next right, simplest thing to move from here, from where I am right now to something that is, um, more healthful. Like, how do I get moving? How do I make better decisions for my body? Um, and so, yeah, but again, going that route, like, and that's the, the, the hard thing about diet culture is that more, most often when you purchase something for, to help yourself, even with some coaching, um, they're going to tell you immediately cut, cut calories. Like less is in nutrition. Typically less is more. And the less you eat, the more you get closer to your goals. And that's just not true. And so, so often more is actually the best thing for you. So for someone again, who's dealing with that identity crisis with really just their body doesn't look like the body they used to have. And they might even feel like, um, resentment towards 
the people in their lives that may have contributed to this, whether it's their spouse or their children, like you did this to me. Um, I would say like, we need to unpack the things that you're believing about yourself right now. Cause I promise you they're not true. If they're making you feel like you're less than, then they're just not true. Cause you'll never be less than. And, and on top of that, your best efforts will always be enough. Like this idea that if you don't hmm. lose 10 pounds by your high school reunion, people will see you as, oh gosh, like she used to be this and that in high school and like now she's not. Like that's just not true. So why would we believe it? Like no part of your good, good heart has changed. <laughs> like you are still someone who is um, capable of loving deeply. You are still someone who is capable of making de- good decisions and it doesn't mean anything about you other than the fact that you, you know, birth to human, which is very hard to do. And your body changes a lot. But again, in that frustration, which can be very real, I want to validate that. I haven't had a child just yet, but I have lots of clients who have. It's very hard for them to live in their body when it's not what it used to be. But we have to start with what are you believing in that moment that makes you feel like you're less than because of what your body looks like? Because first of all, you're incredible. You're amazing. You grew a human and and you gave that human fuel and food and you're still giving that human fuel and food um and love and um that's an incredible thing but then also on top of that is like you know you're still it's not about not being like who you thought you were or before it's about the fact that the the best things about you have not changed I don't know if you have some other things I have I think one more question mm-hmm. but if you have some other things that you just wanted to share um that were on your heart to share? You go first. Okay, so kind of my last question was something I think we were talking about the other night and how you have a heart for young ladies, young women that are struggling with body image. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just wanted to to hear your message to somebody who's listening to this mm-hmm. who is struggling with that body image because I think that is where the enemy is attacking. Yeah. But we'll just, let's just do that and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I used to be there. I lived that life, um, of someone who was very unhappy, um, with my body and everything that was wrapped up in there, my value and my identity that was all wrapped up in there. So for those, especially for young girls who are also experiencing that first, just know that you are not your body and what it looks like. Like you are not your behaviors and the things that you do. You are not your food choices. Like you are first and foremost, a daughter of the most high before you are anything else. And he calls you his masterpiece. That's one of like, that's the main thing. He says that you have been created for good things and good works. Like he set you already up to do all these good things. Um, he has said that you are complete and whole and righteous. Um, he has said that you have been chosen by him. Um, he has said that you lack no good thing. So you're not someone who's missing out on, you know, so-and-so has this body and this life. Why can't I have that? Like you lack no good thing. Every spiritual gift um, is yours. Um, every good thing that God has set out for you to have and to be like, you are those things. Like as, as 
all the things, like when you think back to all the things that, again, that you might be either trying to prove, like all the things that you want, when you really unpack the deep, the deep, deep reasons behind your whys, it's not about, I want to be 135 pounds because I just want to be 135 pounds. Something in you is saying that when you reach that weight, you will be what, like enough Mm -hmm, or that way mm -hmm. you will have value. And so you already are someone who is enough in that there is, again, nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Um, Like God has already said that you are good. You have a good heart. Um, You don't have to earn or prove anything, like literally nothing to prove, especially not through your body. So first and foremost, um, only believe the things that your father says about you. Anything else that sounds like anything else (laughs) that makes sense is not from him. And you can just, um, yeah, let that go and start to walk in knowing that your body will never dictate what your value is. It can never speak value unless you allow it to, unless you believe that lie that you are what you look like and what your body looks like and what your weight is, but you're not. You're a daughter because God calls you his daughter and adopted you and chose you. Live in that reality of being already deeply loved and deeply known and completely seen and completely forgiven And you will start to no longer care and obsess as much about what you weigh and what you look like because you know that the, that your father in heaven is so completely pleased with you. Honestly, that was one of the biggest things for me. I believed that I, that God was not pleased with me. And so no one was either. Hmm. But once it really, really hit me that right now in like this exact state that I am, my father in heaven is pleased with me and just wants intimacy and relationship with me and just wants to be with me and hang out with me because he thinks I'm that cool and he loves me that much, then I no longer have to seek that validation from anywhere else, including the scale or what people say about me or what the mirror shows back in my direction. So yeah, you are everything to God and nothing will change that. And so live from there, live from knowing you are already deeply pleasing and loved to your father. Awesome. I don't know. And I haven't talked to you about this. I don't know if you're taking clients or are you yeah. totally. Okay. So mm-hmm. plug yourself and <laughs> plug like if uh, how someone could get a hold of you or, um, or actually wants to, I don't, do you work? online with clients or is it just in person? So I do most of what I do is online. So I work for a company called black iron nutrition. I do have spots available. So I am taking on clients for sure. Um, but if you want more information on it, you can definitely reach out to me through the DMS on Instagram. Um, Joyce Murphy, I think there might be an underscore in there, but you'll find me, especially if you go to the death to life podcast, Instagram account, you'll find me in there somewhere. Um, so yeah, reach out to me there if you have any questions and I can help you with even just again, navigating your relationship with food, or if you actually want to start understanding what are the good, better and best decisions with food and with exercise, let me help you with that as well. And then you can, um, yeah, pick my brain or look into actually becoming a client. We did a podcast probably a year ago. And if you're hearing this podcast and you're like, whoa, she's next level, like how she thinks about things. Uh, we did a podcast that explained uh, a lot of this truth that you received. What's what's that podcast all yeah, about? Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> so um, I definitely spent uh, the bulk of my life um, before freedom, 
believing lots of lies about my identity and my value. If you want to hear someone who was super insecure um, and questioned everything and strived really hard to be seen as perfect, um, but on the inside was having a lot of anxiety and, and depression and panic attacks, and then all this, you know, and then found out what God had been saying to her and whispering to her her whole life and how that changed so that I now walk in complete confidence. Um, anxiety does not have authority over my life anymore. Depression does not have authority over my life anymore. Um, diet culture does not have authority over my life anymore. And I just walk in this complete abundance and confidence in who I am in Jesus. And I want that for everyone Mercy. too. So yeah, that's what my podcast is about pretty much um, just in much more detail. Well, thanks, Joyce. I feel like uh, I feel like I have a new perspective, and how, after the pandemic, I've been looking at myself and being like, "Dang, Rich!" <laughs> and so, how how I can view this thing in the light of His truth and who He says I am. So, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you. For sure. Yep. I love you. Love you too. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me And love is pouring on me River flowing in and never ends More than life, more than me, more than just pretend And you can feel it, freedom from within Free to fly, be the child that you always been yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today We would love it if you could share this So that people could hear uh, more of these stories And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us a high rating. If if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life and let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all.